Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Curious Competitor Podcast. I'm your host, current New Jersey Devils defenseman, Connor Carrick. My guest today has a special place in my heart. And I, I do say that I love all of my guests. They are oftentimes close friends of mine. And if not, they're definitely people uh, in industries or in business or in sports that I really look up to and admire and, and learn a lot from through the course of the podcast. But my guest today is my wife, Lexi Carrick. Uh, Hoagie's mom, the mother of our child to be. We're going to talk about our, our our pregnancy, our life in in hockey, uh, what's been now the last seven years as we go into our eighth, and and some of our goals for what'll be the second half of of my career and our hockey life together. Let's do this. Hi everyone, welcome to the Curious Competitor Podcast. Lexi, my wife, is our guest today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, hon. Thanks for having me. I haven't had an in-person interview yet, so I'm hoping you'll take it decently <laughs> easy on me. Yep. Are you going to just do one-word answers the entire podcast? Is that the you best thing you can? You haven't asked a good question <laughs> yet. All right. Um, when, I, when I think of you and, and us... I think there are really three things that come to mind is one, I fell in love with you, I think for your genuine love for others. Uh, second was your genuine love for me, which I really appreciate. And then third was, I really feel that we are a growth minded couple. And I think that that served us really well as we focus today on the aspect of our relationship that involves hockey. Cause we don't always talk about it a lot on the podcast. This podcast has been a lot of time for me um, uh, something else to talk about. I talk about hockey all the time. I go and train at the rink from 8 a.m. till 4 in the uh, afternoon and in the summer and even longer hours uh, during the season. So it's been a good outlet. But what is being married to me and what is being married to the hockey life like? That's a big question. So I don't know if I have to talk again the rest of the podcast. But the floor <laughs> yeah, is that's, uh, there's a lot of answers to that question. Let's see. What's, what's it like being married to you? Yeah, start there. Hmm. Well, I would say you're you're pretty um, routine oriented, so I kind of know what every day is going to look like. You have a lot of things on your to do list, and if there aren't a lot of things on your to do list, you create them. <laughs> um, lots of journaling, lots of reading. Always coffee in the morning that I'm very grateful for. You always make me coffee. Um, unsure if that will happen once the baby arrives because I think I will be the first to arise in the morning. Um, I think we'll both be getting up pretty early. I think this baby's going to, from what I've been told by, by parents out there, our world's ready to change. Oh, yeah. I'm just not sure if you'll be like, I need my sleep. I have a game tomorrow. I'll keep cold brew. You can warm up or something in the <laughs> fridge. Um, and what's it like being married to the hockey life? Yeah. I mean, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. It's actually really funny. We joked today is a uh, draft day. What? Yeah, day two for all my day two draftees out there. Uh, congratulations. And I remember my draft like it was yesterday and we weren't quite dating yet, but um, man, it goes fast. Well, yeah. and with the draft comes a lot of trades. Yep. So you made a joke about being traded and I was like, you know what? I don't even care. <laughs> I've been it enough times. The only thing I'm, I would be mad about is the fact that I just physically unpacked everything. And that just means I have to do it again if a trade were to happen. But I think you sort of get used to it. In the beginning, it's so, well, the whole thing is exciting. But in the beginning, there's so many dreams and you envision playing one place for so long and, you know, what that would look like. And then it just evolves from there. I mean, our our plan has changed how many times over and over. Um, but I think that's a good life lesson because you can't really plan for the future if you don't know what's going to happen. And it's kept us on our toes. Um, we've got to live in great cities. We've got to meet amazing people. And then on the downside, we've had to leave some of those people and um, places that we loved. But, you know, you, you do this for how many years? So it's fun. Is that what you'd say is the hardest part? 
about being married to me and the, and, and the hockey life really is the, the moving and the people in particular that you kind of have to part ways with? I would say so. Or just um, in general, like the understanding, it's hard to have a conversation about, you know, being worried about a trade or something with someone that doesn't understand it. So usually talking to a fellow hockey significant other is the place that you can go. Um, yeah. Or just um, like all the questions we've gotten since the pause with the NHL. Everyone just asks the same questions and I know they care, but I don't have the answers. <laughs> Neither do you. So yeah. answering that's kind of difficult. I think there is just a, you know, in life, I, I know I feel it, you know, personally, I always wanted certainty out of, out of my hockey career. I wanted to, you know, when I was younger, for example, I wanted a commitment. I wanted a, you know, division one scholarship that I could know for certain that with a, you know, the signed letter of intent or the verbal commitment that I had coming. And, um, you know, I think the same thing in the NHL career, my NHL career, and it is awarded at some point and, you know, I've got one year left on my contract and, you know, we'll see what this year brings us. And, um, you know, but I think there's, you also anticipate and want a good blend of uncertainty in our life. And I think that, it, you know, when, there's definitely never a dull moment. It's definitely never um, not totally. exciting, which I think is, it's I'm definitely grateful so for. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I've been complacent a day in my life. And, and I think hockey's played a big part of that. Mm -hmm. I would say the first time you got traded, it was so scary, daunting, nerve wracking, all of those sort of like not so great emotions. But if that didn't happen, like we wouldn't have done all the amazing things. I have no idea what our life would have looked like there. Do you want to tell the story of the, our first trade? So I'll, I'll lay the background. I knew <laughs> I was playing as a Washington Capitol and uh, I'm mostly a Hershey bear. I was, I broke out with the Capitals in 2013, 2014. Then the next two years, I was in the minors most of the time with a, with a couple call-ups. And right before, what was it, the 2016 NHL trade deadline, I had a call-up and, you know, I, I just kind of knew based off some hints I was given, um, you know, by the staff that I was, I was playing well and I knew that I was waiver eligible the next year, so there was a, there was a good opportunity. I wasn't going to be with the, with the Caps because they had seven D-men already signed through the next season again. I think it was uh, Taylor Chorney was the big one. Like He had just signed, and, and I knew right away that there wasn't going to be much room. And uh, so I immediately started to, you know, through my agency and, and getting the, some tips that we might be on the move. And I remember coming home and, and kind of sharing that with you. And Am maybe I allowed I thought, to tell the full story? I mean, we can always edit it later, but <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I know that there's a chance I'm getting moved. And so I sort of start to prepare. Um, what I find where I was going to go to all the way with the story was I remember finally getting traded. Well, I didn't tell the story yet. All right, go ahead. <laughs> well, you had played a three and three that weekend, yeah. right? You, you guys played I think it was a three and two three. games back to back three games back to back, but two games in Toronto with the Marlies and then at home with the Hershey Bears. After that game, we went to dinner with Chandler Stevenson. Just signed a, uh, his extension today. Congrats, By the way, Chan. congrats, Chan. We're so happy for you, man. Um, and you guys couldn't decide on uh, what you guys wanted to drink. You couldn't figure out what wine you wanted. And Chandler was like, We'll take one bottle of each, please. <laughs> we were big so, shots in Hershey. We were, we were. Sunday nights are like what you live for in Hershey. You got done with the games. Like you're going to go out to a restaurant. Um, and I wasn't drinking at the time. I was doing a whole 30, my first whole 30. And I was the designated driver. But like the waitress literally put a bottle of wine down in front of you, in front of you and in front of Chandler. And you guys both drank the bottles of wine. So you were a bottle of wine each. And um, you got news that Chris Brown had just gotten traded. So we were going to leave dinner, go change, because you were still in your suits. Yep. Um, and then go somewhere to say goodbye to the Browns. And we are driving. So we drive home to the house. We change. I think we stopped at Chan's too, maybe. Either way, somehow we were FaceTiming Chandler's dad for like, 30 minutes, had a great time with him. Then we get in the car to go say goodbye to the Browns and Connor gets a phone call from Minnesota and um, he feels good at this point in time. 
And he answers the phone. He thinks it's Huge Brady Shay. <laughs> he thinks it's Brady Shay because I don't know why I thought it was Brady Shay because I have because Brady Ryan, Shay's number. Saved Ryan them. Bork had just gotten traded, so you thought he was calling to say like, "Oh, my buddy just got traded," or to, yeah, to Hershey or whatever. So Connor answers and he goes, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> and I'm kind of on edge. It's like it's almost midnight at yeah, this point. Yeah, it was late it's this like eleven thirty. It's nearly midnight. And then I just hear on the other side of the phone, like, Connor, this is Brian McClellan. And I literally pulled over to the side of the road. Chandler's in the backseat. He's like, open the door, open the door, open the door. We all get out of the car and just start pacing all over the place. And Connor's like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm like, where are you going? Where are you going? And Chandler's like, I gotta call my dad. I gotta call my dad. Um, and you find out that you're headed to Toronto and you're like, oh man, I'm going to Toronto. And you're like, oh my God, Lulu Amarillo is going to call me. Oh my God. So I called our family. Our family was on vacation together in Mexico. And I was like, okay, this is my one phone call. I'll give you guys an update, whatever. Ended up being super exciting. Uh, You're supposed to report to the Toronto Marlies. So we went and said goodbye to everyone. It was a Sunday night that I got traded. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I was going to fly out on Monday. I think you were actually going to fly out on Tuesday. No, I was going to fly out on Monday because no. Tuesday morning, it was the school. It was like a kid's game. It was a 10 a.m. Marley's mm. game. And I remember. Um, so I was supposed to fly out at like, I don't know, midday, 1 p.m., um, you know, in Hershey to, to fly out to Toronto. And I end up going home that night. I got traded and we I ended up packing until like two or three in the morning. Everything because I didn't live there and I had no desire to go back there if you weren't there. Um, and I worked full time. So we packed till three in the morning. We were like, okay, we have time. Like, let's go to bed. Um, and I wake up the next morning. I don't know what time I look at my phone and I have all these missed phone calls and I'm getting a call from Toronto, Ontario. And I'm like, I don't know anyone there. So I answer the phone and they're like, hi, is this Alexandra? And I was like, hello. Yeah. Um, it was the, it was someone for the Leafs calling to say that Connor, was actually going to play that night for the Leafs. Um, and he had to get to Philadelphia airport ASAP. I woke him up. We drove. It was, I think I drove nine hours that day. Because yeah. Cause you drove me all the way to Philly, which was what? Hershey an hour to and a Philly, half. Philly back, back to Hershey, then to Washington, to DC. DC. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we had packed my car up and you just drove my car there and we figured we'll f- get it when we need we'll it. We'll figure it out. Yeah. 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 Cause I had my car in Hershey too. Fun times. Fun times. <laughs> yeah, I got in a fight that night against Tampa Bay. Played decently well. I remember the first period, I felt exhausted. The second period, I felt like I had pretty good legs. The third period, I felt exhausted again. Four games in four days. Yeah, I think it was. It might have been three and four. I can't remember. I feel like it was a Thursday, Friday in Toronto game and then Sunday, but that's still a lot of hockey. Yeah. And then you ended up playing the, the Caps Monday. right after that. Yes. Yeah, because we came right back to D.C., I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't go that long without seeing you. So in terms of what did we learn about ourselves in that process? Like, Because that type of strength can be really tough for a couple. And, and we had to leave, you know, we've talked about it. You have all these big dreams and these close friends that you, you know, love and cherish. And, and you do tell yourself that story and where you want to, I wanted to be a Washington Capitol forever. That was what I wanted to do. Um, and then all of a sudden that reality is over you know, like that. And you've got to go try and build new dreams and, and meet new people. What was that? What's that like on the other side of it? Cause I'm thrust into a whole new situation where I'm trying to meet, you know, coaches. I'm trying to understand the systems right away. It's almost like you just get tunnel vision on what's important now. And for me, that was my play. Cause you know, I, I wanted to show well, you know, I, I knew in Toronto in particular, you know, with the Leafs, I was going to get a chance down the stretch, which I did. And then I was really excited to get a chance with the Toronto Marlies and have the playoff run that we did. I kind of knew there was like an onslaught of draft picks coming, but there was a little bit of a hole in their lineup um, on the back end for the time being. And that if I could run away with it that time, I, I you know, could finally start to grow myself as, as an NHLer. And, you know, when you think of us, though, like what is your side of that trade story? After that. That was really exciting though. Everything was really exciting because I'd never been to Canada. I was so excited for you to get a chance. Everyone was telling me the Leafs are the place, like they're changing, uh, they're rebuilding. This is going to be unbelievable. 
and I, I had no idea how big hockey was there. I had no idea. Um, and I immediately got into like, okay, what's next for me? And I, I had anxiety going into that trade deadline, feeling like something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just worked my way up to get on the floor at a salon. I was making good money. I was busy. It was, it was amazing. But I didn't want to let that go. But at the same time, it was like this was our first opportunity to experience something together and to move and, you know, just change. Um, So what I did is I ended up keeping my job and then I went back once a month for ended up being what, two years, two and a half years. So I sort of figured out a healthy balance between, okay, how can I keep the old and like the part of me that feels purpose, but how can I also be a part of this new adventure? Because we had learned, you know, our first year being in, being called up with the caps and being down in Hershey, it was really hard to make friends when you're not there in the beginning of the season, when everyone's meeting each other, things, relationships start to develop immediately. So it was exciting to be able to go to Toronto and be there with a bunch of new people who were also there. Um, and it was fun. Made a lot of friends there. Yeah, we did. We had a great time. So we did. We, I think there was just a conversation too between both of us that when I was moved to Toronto, you know, I was going to, it was sort of implied, but I was going to ask you to move there, you know, cause we were very serious at the time and, and not engaged and not engaged. And I my, just, my, my older clients did not like that. <laughs> well, I mean, you're moving to another country. We, ha- we did have conversations though, around what our commitment level was. And I think I we, think we had those conversations back before I even moved to Washington, DC. I just feel we're just, we're very committed people where it wasn't, it was very organic. It wasn't some big step. Yeah. I think we knew we were, you know, very serious. It from was like, Hey, we're serious. Like financially, this is going to be a serious commitment and with, like with our jobs and stuff, but it wasn't like, Hey, let's get married tomorrow. So fast forward, you know, a couple of years, we, my, that's really where my NHL career oh. grew was in Toronto. I was in the lineup you know, a lot that first year, um, not as much the second year, kind of fell out after, I think it was in February of 2017 or 2018, I got hurt with a shoulder injury and kind of couldn't get back to the ice time I had prior to the to the injury and then prior to the first round exit to Washington. Um, the next year, uh, I remember Rowan Pollock had come back off his injury and we'd signed him right away and that was kind of a, a tough sign for, you know, my well-being as a Leaf and Really, from there on out, it was just playing the best I could every day to extend our life there or possibly extend our life in the NHL. And then eventually we do get moved at the next training camp. So the one to Dallas, I think both trades were really, every time I've been traded has been welcome because they were they meant, they meant steps for me. They meant career opportunities. Uh, but the trade to Dallas was a little different in that you know, I don't, I don't remember really knowing anybody on the team, you know, before we got there. Um, I kind of got hurt right away. There was a little bit of a, if I had to admit, a little bit of a low point for both of us. Yeah, going to Dallas was career. hard. We got traded two days before the season started. Um, and it was like, hurry up, find a place to live. Um, and to be frank, we were coming from an organization that has so many people that work for it. And there's a job for everyone in Toronto. Um, so going from there to Dallas, it was kind of hard. Like, who do we contact about needing movers? Who, what do we do? Like just logistically, it was hard. And, you know, we had to move hotels like halfway through and then find a place to live. It was just a lot. It also in, like, rained the, every day for like a month when we were there. Yeah. And it was just, it was hard to figure everything out. We didn't know where to live. We weren't sure. Um, and it was, yeah, not the easiest. And then after you got hurt too. That's what was the hardest part for me was I felt like, you know, the year prior in Toronto, I'd put together some some good hockey. Uh, the team was doing well actually with me in the lineup. You know, couldn't stay in. Um, you know, didn't get a look uh, in that playoff run where we lost to Boston. You know, kind of knew I wanted, you know, was on my way out there, get moved to Dallas, play really well at first. I'm playing with Miro Iskinen, who's gone on to, you know, be an all-star and was doing well you know, played a bunch of minutes. I, you know, and then ended up, you know, in Detroit, we're on the road. I take a slap shot. At the, it was my last shift of the first period. 
one timer from Trevor uh, Daly to the tibia to the inside of my ankle, and uh, you know that was it. I think I, what I missed ten, twelve weeks. Yeah, because it took a little while to realize the extent of the. I think that was the hardest part for me was just how excited I was to be there um, and how well I felt I was playing. I think I played twenty minutes the night because I played the rest of that game with the ankle. I think I played like twenty minutes that night still, just as a. And I wasn't playing all that well because I wasn't moving great, um, but just kind of showed the opportunity I was going to get. And those are hard to come by, you know, in the NHL. So I guess I was just thrilled to have it. But we've, we've made this joke now a couple times, like COVID and quarantine wasn't all that different than when I broke my leg in Dallas. Like it was just a lot of us time. The, yeah, that's the a, a thing that people don't understand when you get injured is that you're not going on the road. So it was you and I in Dallas and we didn't know anyone. We were just hanging out. We were cooking. We had a beautiful apartment there and the weather was usually nice for the most part. Yeah. But um beautiful sunset. When you have a broken leg, you can't you don't you can't move around. Yeah, you can't do that much. As as much as normal. Um but yeah, that was a long time for us without any friends or anything. <laughs> so then we can talk now about New Jersey, where we've been now, this will be our third season, you know, second full once it begins. Um, we do get moved, you know, deadline to go to New Jersey. How, do, how has New Jersey been for us? How do you like it here? I love it here. I, I love, I think I thrive in cities, in big cities. What just is it, the energy or the people? Is it the... Just being able to walk outside your house and just go wherever. First of all, playing on the East Coast is so nice because, I mean... The Rangers are right here. The Islanders are right there. Phillies, so close. Boston, so close. So the travel schedule is really nice. Um, the Rock is cool. I think it's really cool. They have fried Oreos. That's nice. Not a big deal. <laughs> I actually haven't had them, but I, I found no, that from, out. Yeah, yeah, okay. I swear to God, there's a place called The Boardwalk, and I went there for a corn dog one time. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, I really like New Jersey. We live in Hoboken. I think it's the cutest place I've ever lived. So many small businesses. People just seem super respectful, really make sure they take care of Great their sense neighbors. Of community, yeah. Yeah. Uh, compost. Free composting, which is amazing. Um, I just, I really like it here. Yeah, I love it here in New Jersey. I'm hoping, um, hoping we get to start a season soon and, and get to meet some of our teammates and start competing in camp and all that. Mm -hmm. So you did mention earlier about, I wanted to follow up on how important it is to have people who understand when you're talking about, you know, sort of the ebbs and flows of, of hockey, because it is such a unique lifestyle. that's really hard to capture if you're not in it. You know, when you talk to some of the other wives or, or girlfriends, they can be role models for you. They can be close friends, but what do they mean to you as supporters in your journey and alongside my journey? I think just someone who can listen and understand what you're going through because family wants to help always, you know, friends want to help you, but I, it's really hard for people. And we saw this, especially with the bubble. Um, it's really hard for people to have empathy when they see the large number that is an athlete's salary. Um, and while to some extent I understand, but it doesn't make all the problems go away. And like, there are whole families that have to move. There are people that, um, I mean, let's take your teammate, for example, Corey Schneider, who was an absolute total class act last season. He has a family, he has two kids and you know, his wife, Jill was amazing, just supportive the whole way through. And you just, having someone who you can call up and be like, or just like a little text that says like, Hey, so sorry to see like, uh, you know, so-and-so got injured or that Connor got injured. Um, we're thinking about you hope it's not as bad or, Hey, I saw you had to go down on a conditioning stint. Like, Oh, are you going to go there? Are you going to report? Like, how does that work? Just having people check in and knowing that it, it's hard especially like with a trade, you have to walk into a new room and you have to meet a ton of new people and you don't necessarily know who is family and who is not. You're just thrown in and you got to figure out, are you related? Are you related? Who is like, 
who do, do I need to talk to? Who do I need to need to introduce myself to? So having just just that person to go to that can understand what you're going through. Well, and socially, like what have you learned about? Because there are some demanding social circumstances that you're thrown into in this game. Because I think about it the same way where, you know, you're, you're going to a new locker room. You want to earn the respect of your teammates. You want to earn the respect of, of your coach. And you want everyone to know that they can, you know, count on you. And well, also not being a stiff and you want to be funny and, and, you know, being able to get along with the guys, but they don't know your personality yet. And I guess I'll go first. Like I, what I've really learned about myself was everyone around me will feel more ease when I am at ease with myself. Like it's kind of a, you, I give permission to others um, to sort of relax when I relax. And I think that, you know, the sooner I present, you know, my quirks and and my oddities, the um, better we can move forward with like a a true honest relationship with, with my teammates. It's been something that I've learned each time I've gotten moved now that it's, it's a lot more easy, um, you know, for me to do. I think on the other side of that, you know people's stories. Whereas when I walk into the family room, I have no idea who is the top player's significant other or the player that's been here for 15 years or, you know, you don't know any of those things. So you just want to make sure you're being respectful to everyone Um, and just trying to get to know everyone, especially when you're trade at the deadline. This is going to sound brutal, but like, a lot of times people aren't looking to make new friends. Um, and you also don't know like who was just called up, who's also in the same situation as you. So you want to give them grace as well. You don't want to be like, oh, they didn't say hi to me because they might not know who you are either. Um, so that's difficult. But I agree that tr- just trying to be yourself and just try to be kind. Like when we had gotten, tr- we were the only people to get traded to New Jersey that season. Um, and there were a lot of people who were called up and I talked to a lot of the significant others at the call-ups and I just, like, I remember being in that situation and not knowing who's who and not knowing who I should talk to, who I shouldn't talk to, what I should say, what I shouldn't say. Um, so I just always want to be welcoming and be the kind of person that I want to meet when I get traded because it's scary. (laughs) It's scary. And in other careers, you don't necessarily have to be friends with your significant other's coworkers. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's where it's different. But I will say usually everyone is so kind and so nice and you end up having great relationships. Well, I think I really loved the point where you said you want to be the person that you, you know, wish was in the room every time that you got moved. And I think that, you know, that's just the empathetic side of you where you really do understand that little things are big things. And that you really can go a long way just extending, you know, a warm hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when, you know, there's a group of people that have been together for a long time. Like our second year in Toronto, we had such a good group of people, but there were also new people who came into the mix. And we wanted to make sure we opened up to them with open arms. Um, but it's not something that you're always aware of. So being conscious of that and just trying to be friendly and be nice. So to transition, we did, we did just announce our pregnancy and we're thrilled, but nervous, of course. What kind of family are we? What are we going to try to teach our child? How are we, what have we learned from this hockey world that we're going to try to bring as parents? I definitely think we've learned flexibility. We've learned a little bit of minimalism which I'm hoping to bring into parenthood <laughs> as, we'll much as, as much as possible. If your mom, if my mother-in-law keeps buying baby outfits, I think we'll have a tough time. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with outfits to some extent because I do know that like there's a lot that happens, but I just don't want every toy, gadget, gizmo, especially in the beginning, you don't need it. Well, I got enough of that told. stuff too from all my sports science lab stuff that I own. Oh, so much stuff. Um, what else? I'm excited for our child to see you and experience the hockey part. I think we've had this conversation for a while that, is it Derek Jeter had a child after playing? I don't know. I don't know who you're trying to reference. There was a, It might be. They had a child after playing and then you were like, they'll never know how cool their dad is. 
Like they never got to witness how unbelievable he is. In and real I, time, yeah. Yeah, and I just think that that's really cool to be a part of that and to see all the kids playing. That's that's really fun. I, think I that's don't know how I'm, many kids will be here this year, but. I think that's what I'm most excited about, like the idea of, of bringing our child down to the locker room to, you know, see the guys or get the a broken war, stick that's been up, cut down the or the warm up. Wave. Yeah, the warm up wave. And yeah, I think uh, hockey is such a big part of who I am that I, I do feel, you know, I, I can't say I was always um, as open minded about having a child during my playing career just because I'm so focused on that. And I know how much time and attention it takes, but I love hockey and I know I'll love our child and, you know, there's no scarcity of love. Like I, I'll, I'll find a way to give more. And um, I think I'm really excited at the, the timing of where we're at in our life. I think we're ready. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure you're ever ready. We'll see how this ages. I purposely quoted, I think we're ready just so I can play this back when <laughs> we're screaming yeah, one day. Yeah, I'm not sure you're ever really ready, ready, but I also think it's a situation where after it happens, you're just so thrilled that it's possible you could be like, how was I living without this human earlier? I think one of my first thoughts They're moving after so much. you told me you were pregnant. Oh, was, people want to know. That was the question what? I got. How you found out. You and just, it's so lame. It was really lame, guys. Connor was on the phone with someone and I took the test and I had taken one before and it was negative. Um, and then I was like, you know, I'm going to take another one. Connor was on the phone blabbing away, blabbing away. And I was avoiding him as much as possible. And then he got off the phone and I just sat next to him and I was like, I'm, I'm pregnant. And he's like, are you serious? Stop. You're joking. You're joking. Took you a long time to realize I was serious. And that's not a funny joke. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past you. I didn't have to, <laughs> I don't know how to put that. I didn't have time to think of something. I was too shocked and too like stunned. Yeah. So I think kind of, I was stunned. Like it was my, kind my, of boring. my first thought, one of my first thoughts, I wouldn't say my first thought. One of my first thoughts was like, like exhale. I, you know what I'm passionate. Like I'm a passionate guy. Like I'm really excited about, really everything, but I, I get excited about a lot and I want to dive all in, whatever it is, whether it's coffee or hockey or a new training modality, uh, you know, a new uh, sports science tool that I've learned, a new, a new supplement I've been introduced to. I can be, you know, pretty obsessive and curious. And I think that I like kind of exhale and was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to make room now for like the greatest challenge that I have coming my way. And I don't, I don't think there's, there's any, any point you arrive as a parent to be, or even a, as a, as a parent, when we do become parents, I don't think you ever arrive as like a successful parent or like an, an all knowing all. or perfect parent. I don't think that's a thing. Um, but I just, I love education. And I think that, you know, experience is, is can be learned from, and I know, you know, there's a lot of parents out there that, you know, can share what they, you know, know and, and love about their relationship with their child. And I'm trying to learn from that. And I think culturally, I'm trying to learn from, from other cultures. We're both American from, you know, Orland Park, Illinois. We went to the same high school, you know, trying to, I guess, broaden our horizons and, and be aware of just different. We've talked about even about everything from, you know, how we want to feed our child to disciplining techniques, you know, and, and that kind of thing. I just think, uh, I'm so excited about that, the new, a new lane of my life that I can pour myself into from an, an education and a passion standpoint. And I just, I can't wait to be a father. Yeah. I'm, ex- I'm so excited for like the little things, like going for walks on days off or, you know, like the little moments and the big moments like Disney, but I'm not sure with COVID when that will be. <laughs> When yeah, that'll be I, uh, happening. I always promised you that I'd become more of a Disneyland goer when I love it. Disney World. Disney World, sorry. See? <laughs> Disney World is in Florida. So we'll have to um we'll have to go soon, hopefully. I mean, come on, COVID can't last forever. Well, you also want to take your kids at an age that they can enjoy it as well. Right. So, so what is that? Three I don't know at yet. least? We gotta ask around. I can't tell the difference between like toddlers and the infants. Marlos like, I, will know. like you, yeah. They're big Disney people. We'll have to hit them up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, how many kids do we want? That was a question I had that came up uh, on the Instagram post. How many kids do we want? I personally think I want two, but I think that would change if I had the same sex. Like if you had two boys or two girls? Mm-hmm. I'm... I always felt like three or four just because I went four. off the concept. Well, I, to be four. fair, to be fair, I don't carry the child. So whatever you want, that's so four, it goes. That's like just so many more than you. But what I you think and of I. it, people tell me that they love. To, what kind of car do you have to get? Minivan. I'll get you a minivan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, when I think we'll of, see about that. when I think of, Keep you posted. people say that you love your child more than you love your dog. And like, I, I just can't. I don't know. I love Hoagie so much when he's not barking during our podcast that he really is I, such a good dog. If I he could, just hasn't shown it. I would have. I would have ten. ten I would have ten French bulldogs. If I oh, could. ten French bulldogs. Yeah, but then you couldn't give the equal amount of love. Do you have to give equal? I mean, yeah. I guess. At least try. I guess. Can't pick favorites. Is it hard? For us to be apart as often as we are during the season, like what goes through your nope, mind? I love it. <laughs> Distance makes the heart grow fonder. You get used to it. It's nice because so. you get into your own routine. That is, and that's again, the hardest thing about injury is like, there's so much togetherness. Like you were like, okay, what are we doing today? And I was like, whoa, I'm leaving the house. I'm going to work out. Like I'm going to do my thing. You need to figure Just out what the you're couch doing. And layer and- yeah. Um, no, it's nice. I The longer road trips are harder and I definitely think it'll be harder with kids um, just because there's more emotions involved, um, more work involved. But I actually think it's nice like having that time away to like be yourself and figure it out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think the same. I think and, and the other side of the coin is we do get summers off. That's a thing Which is too. awesome. You know, that yeah. might be, you know, for some guys that are, you know, big golfers and travelers and things like that. Like, it's really nice to have that time to rebuild your body and be with family and the weather. We live in Chicago in the summer. Like, the weather's beautiful. You know, go to a cup game, you know, go out to some, some nice meals and things like that. So they're, you know, both sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. You're, you're going to have the long, grueling season, which I love the test of. Um... I don't know. I, I, I guess I always felt that this is what I signed up for. There's certainly certain road trips that, you know, present difficulties year in, year mm-hmm. out, you know, where you're, you're either playing particularly tough teams or the, the travel schedule sucks. Um, I'd say the time that it's the hardest would be when a player gets traded and his family decides not to go with, which is almost the case usually. Um, yeah, because you got to pull the kids out of school. You got to pull the kids out of school. You have to move and like the significant other is left to pick up the pieces and figure it out. Like, okay, how are we moving home? Especially if there's kids involved, there's a lot of logistical, logistical things and Mm -hmm. that can be difficult. Um, and then now what we saw with the bubble, I think that was, that would be really difficult. Um, especially with young kids because they change so much in that time frame. Yeah. For new dads that were away. Yeah. So what are some of your, favorite parts though when you think back over the course of our career what are some of your favorite experiences they can be socially they can be at at games something I did um I have a couple that come to mind but I thought it was fun when you were in the AHL all-star games yeah um not that like the like I went for one um the one in Syracuse yeah yeah just seeing that happen um, I loved my time in the American League. Like I had so much fun. I, I was just texting the Marley's playoffs. I was just texting old friends. I was texting like Liam O'Brien, a picture of us in a fight together in Chandler where, you know, for all the players that just got drafted, if you're listening to this, like, you know, some of the players that you meet today, you know, might be some of the closest friends that you'll have for life. And that's what really I got out of my Hershey Bear experience was I loved it. I was a two-time AHL All-Star. I, you know, we had good teams. We had good power plays. We had packed stands. And, and, and I think that's what, you know, minor league hockey should be. And uh, I don't know, you just, you build great friendships, riding the buses and eating pizza after the game. Yeah. Usually there's not much going on in those towns. So the team is close and everyone gets together. 
what else? When you were playing for the Marlies in the playoffs, watching from afar on my laptop, I remember screaming at it and then being like, oh my gosh, I'm so loud. Like the neighbors are going to call on me, ask if I'm okay. Um, seeing you like score your first few goals, like at, with certain teams. The first teams. goal was a level of elation that I hope everyone well, gets and, like, experience Well, like when you scored your first goal with Toronto, when you scored your first goal with Dallas, like that's just really exciting. Hmm. The outdoor game was awesome. The outdoor game was special. That was fun. I loved, um, I loved the people in Toronto and just how close everyone lived because we'd always go out to dinner after the games. That was fun. What else? Wow. I feel like we've been doing this for so long now. It's my crazy. eighth year next year. It's crazy. Be my eighth year. Yeah, I'd say the outdoor game. I think particularly just the family we were able to have come in. Just the whole experience um, played well was that, wild. that game, you know, our... The weather was somewhat nice. Yeah. Yeah, the, we were up in a hotel the night before. Like, it just felt felt like a big deal. It felt like showtime. Like, it felt like, you know, under the lights, like we dream about as a, as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, the ice was spectacular. Like, way better than most NHL ranks, which, for whatever reason... Oh, I have another memory. When, we, when I hosted that surprise dinner, when you signed your first NHL contract... Um, with the Leafs, like your yeah. NHL, NHL contract. That was, first that was really fun. Yeah. That was my first one way. That was awesome. And just, yeah, the different phone calls you've gotten that are like exciting or witnessing World Junior. I had no idea how important that was, but that was fun. To be fair, neither did I. Like, <laughs> like it's just not a, as big a thing in, in the United States. And hopefully that's changing. I think it is. But, you know, when... Um, that world junior, that was a huge goal of mine. I remember when I was at the U.S. development team, I'd, I'd watch those guys as as early as, you know, when John Carlson was pulling the no-look two-on-one game winner. And that was a huge career goal of mine that I was super proud of to go. I remember Mike Havlin was my Hershey Bear coach at the time, and he pulled me in the off, in his office to say, you know, Connor, I think uh, the, the Capitals are going to give permission um, for you. You've been invited to go to, there was like a pre-camp tryout where they figure out the last couple slots in, in Minnesota uh, prior to going over to um, Sweden, to Malmo. And uh, I remember he talked to me where he's like, you know, I think we're comfortable with you going. Are, are you comfortable with going? And I was still so focused on like making it and staying in the NHL. I was like, Havi, like I'm willing to stay here if, if that's what this team needs. Because I really didn't know how to handle the situation. He laughed at me. He laughed me out of the room. He was like, Connor, like this is a special opportunity to represent your country. Am I putting you to sleep? No, sorry. She's sick of my shit already. Um, but I just figured, he, he laughed me out of the room. was like, Connor, you got to go. It's an opportunity to represent your country. And, and I had a blast. I loved it. Except for the fact in Sweden at that time, it like, it, the sun came up, I felt like at noon, it went down at three for like a month. Yeah. It's bizarre. The teddy bear toss too. In Hershey? Yeah. No one tells you that that hurts. You're standing there and you're getting pelted in the back of the head with teddy bears and they sound soft and gushy and whatever, but they're not. Maybe get hit by the eyeballs. That's not cool. Oh, it hurts. Hurts. So if we call it, my goal is to play 20 years and I'm not super bashful about that. I want to play as long as I can in the NHL and, and, you know, if not by the end of the time, you know, pro hockey. So we're, we're getting close to what might be, you know, the halfway point, you know, my career, uh, and time will tell if, you know, where I'm at on that, you know, spectrum, but what goals do you have for us personally now for the second half of this as you know, you're, my goal, I know for sure, like I've talked about it, you know, there's a cutoff in pro hockey. I feel like the age is 25. If you're under 25, you're young. If you're over 25, you're old. You know, so I know for me personally, like trying to be, you know, more of a leader and, and stepping into, you know, a, a more confidence there doing that. Um, you know, what are some goals that you have for us in what'll be, you know, the second half of this whole dance? Well, I wouldn't mind not having consistency. I think having consistency would be nice to sort of form a room that we like to be a part of because we've seen 
how amazing it is when that happens um, and be leaders, like welcoming people to the team. Like we said, creating that um, environment because when it's good, you win. And that's like, I, I firmly believe that. Um, and I think just being able to kind of see a little bit farther out, everyone always asks like, how will you know when you're not going to be traded? And it's like, that doesn't really exist. But if Even we can Gretzky like, got traded guys, so yeah, like that's not a thing, but just kind of like being able to envision a house or like have our kids in school where they have friends would be nice, but or in another outdoor game, I would love that. I would love that. I'd love that. Um, Hopefully Gary Bettman's watching this. <laughs> Gives Jersey an outdoor game. Yeah. So many teams and so many rivalries around here. That's a good point. See, there's your pitch. Totally. Devils Rangers, Devils Islanders. Yeah. I could see it. How have you been able to engage with your support system during COVID despite the pregnancy? That was a question we had from Instagram. Oh man, that was hard because we didn't really tell people we were pregnant for a long time. Um, we did slowly, but we didn't announce on social media until I was 20 weeks. Um, I'd say COVID is just in general difficult. No one knows what's happening. Um, there are many, many opinions about it. I think just trying to reach out to people and see how they're doing so then I can have that conversation or just check in with people and stay on top of it, whether it's like one friend a day or so many friends a week, checking in on them because I think to some extent we're all sort of feeling ugh. Yeah, just isolated. And I think missing some of the regular social touches that are holding the door open for someone at a coffee shop totally. or, you know, um, interacting with a pleasant, you know, barista or whatever who, you know, was excited to see, a, you know, the beginning of your day. Mm-hmm. I think some of that normalcy, everyone's looking forward, forward to coming back. Yeah, I miss in-person workout classes a lot. I was really happy to be able to come to our anatomy um what do they call it? The anatomy scan. Ultrasound. Yeah. The anatomy scan, they call it. Um, that was really nice because in Chicago, you weren't able to come with me to any of my appointments, which makes it feel so less real because you're just- For like, me too. You're just like internalizing all these thoughts and feelings instead of like talking about them out loud and just like being where we think we're going to deliver the baby helps as well. It's been crazy to see the differences between states, between Illinois and Chicago and Hoboken and New Jersey. Just how they're handling it, you mean? Mm-hmm. And being pregnant, I, I feel like I have to be careful. I'm not just worrying about myself anymore. Well, that's what you were told, right? Medically, yeah. that was the best advice. Um, Questions-wise for me with this podcast, do you have any... Questions for me on Who's how your, I've... Who would be your dream guest? Who would be my dream guest? Oh, gosh. I've already had some of them on. I think I would really like to connect with some teammates. There's just things you cover in an hour-long conversation where you're, there's no interruption. You're not eating. There's no dog barking aside from ours. Um, you know, you're, and you're really able to sit and get to know someone's story. So, you know, I'd love to have really all my teammates, whoever's comfortable. I get, you know, hockey is usually pretty close to the vest sort of culture and not everyone's, you know, comfortable with sharing their, you know, their personal life and their ups and downs. And, and I get that. Um, there's a level of vulnerability to this. Try to think. Um, I also think it's hard just because guys are typically guarded. Yeah. You know, the classic hockey interview. But when you could sit down and have a face-to-face conversation, you can really pull and pluck things out of a professional athlete's life that you're like, wow, I, I can relate to that. So yeah. you, And like, I can say they're pretty normal. Yeah. <laughs> pretty even, normal people. Even, even like the uh, biggest of dogs. Yeah, I'd say. Even like, for, for example, the Kevin Rooney podcast where he talks about how key... Um, you know, playing against Jack Eichel was for his career and how Ray Shiro told him that moment. Like, I think that's, you know, super cool. The moment, mm-hmm. um, oh God, what's his name? Oh, I remember when GM you played. In Washington, Don Fishman. When he gave me 
a picture of literally the moment of my NHL career's birth. Don Fishman was the assistant GM in Washington. And he gave me like this manila folder one day after it was, I think it was the following summer, actually. It was like a summer skate. And in it, it just had a picture um, uh, printed out from like, from like a cell phone. And he took a picture of the whiteboard. Every GM has these whiteboards where they have like the depth chart of their team and, and every other team. So they, they kind of keep a pulse on the league and they have these magnets, right? So it'd say, you know, Backstrom, Ovechkin, uh, Wilson, you know, like, you know, whoever else was on the team at that time. And you'd have these, you know, magnetic names. And then uh, he told me this was the, the exact moment that I made the NHL where George McPhee had texted him a picture that he took from his phone and said, like, quote, can we do this? Question mark. And my name was written in because I had just signed during training camp. I didn't have a magnet yet. And it's kind of cool to know the exact moment that, you know, my career started. And, and, and every player has those stories. So definitely though. I have I, two of those for you. What's another one? When you called me up and you're like, I shook Mike Green's hand today. <laughs> he Green has is tattoos. Hey, congrats he has on your retirement, on Mike Green. Hands. You're a legend. 30 talks is a D-man in the modern game. The white Reeboks. You were so the, excited. And then you were the playing on the CNT team. The CNT stick. He was cooler than cool. Yeah, and then you were playing on the same team as him. And then your first game against the Chicago Blackhawks, Jonathan Taze, you were like, what do you call it when you like have to cover? Like you were covering Jonathan Taze? Is that what you call it? Um, and you made that your phone <laughs> lock screen. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Me playing against Taser was... <laughs> Yeah, we actually worked out a bit together. This, <laughs> I didn't bring that up. I should have embarrassed myself and told him. Yeah, it's a good memory. Yeah. That was my screensaver. For a long time. Yeah, that's not narcissistic at all that I'm my own background, but I thought it was It was cool. more so the fact, I think, that I, you were that I was against him. him. Yeah, we have a few stories like that. I'd say I have some other, like I would love to have, God, any hockey greats, like anyone from Chris Chelios to Wayne Gretzky, um, Scott Stevens, you know, some of the uh, devil's greats. I'm going to try to ask, you know, around here. Um, I'm really looking forward to actually, you know, Bryce Salvador is someone that I've talked to a little bit, you know, just from being around the rank. I, I really look up to him as a former captain and some of the stories that he shared, you know, with the Players' Tribune and his vestibular injury. I'd, I'd love to talk to him. Uh, another one I'm going to have on soon, Archangel Summit, you know, uh, founder Giovanni Marcico. He's been, you know, a bit of a mentor for me and, um, I guess the, the life space, if you want to call it, like uh, he's just, he's a special person. And, and, uh, to me, I'd love to do a podcast with my dad. You know, we didn't do it before we left, um, you know, for, you know, the season, but I, I would really like to see. Maybe you can get Adam Oates you know, on here. Him. I'll try and bug Adam Oates <laughs> to see if I can get him on. I think the problem, if we get Oates on, we be getting the podcast and he's got so many stories and, and. You know, it'll just go on forever. And I'm trying to think of who else. Gary Vaynerchuk, I've been trying to get him on. Um, and by trying, I haven't asked him yet. I've been trying to get big enough so that when I ask him, it's a for sure yes. Uh, you know, Joe Rogan's like the king of them. I think he'd be, you know, beyond interesting to have on. Um, Tim Ferriss would be awesome. Yeah, I'm I got a whole list on my you. phone, a little dream list. That's what I think is super fun about the podcast is it can be anything. You can talk to anybody at any time and and you know, really that sense of curiosity that, you know, I've tried to, you know, really own here with this podcast that it, you can. Absolutely. And what's cool is people actually care. Like they really do pick up the phone and schedule time for these things. They really do enjoy being on them. Oh yeah. Well, and I just think the quality of conversation is great. It always is. And, and you know what I find with the podcast though, even with ours today, like it takes a little bit of time to like find that flow. Mm -hmm. And once you start to get into a flow, you know, everyone's shoulders kind of come down, their voice starts to sound more like themselves and bang, the microphone, the camera kind of goes away and, and people really settle into their story. Um, my job is just to find questions that like cheat that system and get it going earlier, but it's tough. Mm -hmm. But that's what's fun about this art, right? Like who's to say one style is better than the other? No one. I want to thank you too for supporting me and all You're this. Welcome. I don't want this whole podcast to go through without. You mean my lovely decor, that boom that's attached to the kitchen table? Yeah, it comes with the territory and my <laughs> hockey sticks that are all over the closet and my supplements that are in the cabinet. Like I definitely, my yeah. personal life bleeds into every other aspect of our life, but. Yep. 
We're still I, uh, working on that minimalist part. <laughs> I think we'll always will be. Yeah, I think so too. But I wanted to end the podcast, I guess, with, you know, thank you for- Did you want to look at questions? Yeah. I was going to say that I want to end the podcast with saying that I love you and that I'm grateful for- Oh, I love you too. Our relationship together, but we'll look at questions first on Instagram. Let's see here. Do you have any? Um, oh, I screwed Someone up. said, what's your favorite dish that Lexi cooks? Short rib ragu. Rolls right off the tongue. Thanks, Ronnie. Ronnie, Prim uh, Ronnie Primal Gourmet Lavovsky. <laughs> I hope that's how you say Lavovsky. It's my favorite. Then someone said, what's your once, favorite, proudest I moment? Once, I've said this story, proudest moment. Um, I'll think about that. Well, no, they were asking me for you. Oh, well, you prompted as if, go ahead. <laughs> what is your proudest moment? I feel like I've said that already when, I, uh, probably when you were playing with the Marlies and you had like, what, 18 goals? You were the highest scoring. 18 goals? No. 18 points. I think I had 18 points. I, I did have you a five point highest, game. You was, were the highest scoring player in the AHL. For a while. For the playoffs. That yeah, was that was exciting. special. That was special because I knew that I was getting really close to a serious goal that I had that was to put myself in a position to make the Leafs out of training camp the next season. You were having so much fun, too. Oh, God. And I remember not being there, and I was like, mm, maybe I'm bad luck. <laughs> no. I just got to get that scoring touch going again this year, and we'll yep. be able to prove that theory wrong. Let's see. Are you pleased with your new place as much as your place in Chicago? I think we like this place better. They're different. One was a home and one is an apartment. But yeah, we, um, we made sure that we loved our place that we were going to rent this year because of COVID, not knowing about the season and the baby. I have a question. Have we made up plans and tips on how you'll deal with the lack of sleep when the baby comes? Uh, I'm trying to talk you into a new plan. Column. It's free advertising for new. <laughs> we column, plan but. to have family out. I have a feeling that I will be the one waking up. I well, hope to breastfeed. What's the book I'm reading about? I hope to French parenting and the culture around sleep yeah, training. How but it's that's different. Not in the that's not right in the beginning. Right in the beginning. No, not right in the beginning. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, I plan to lean on our loved ones, and we'll see if you're here, or you're not here. Or Whatever, try my best. Hopefully it's at I'm least a I'm also going to batch a bunch of food. I'm very picky. I really like to cook my own food. So I'm going to cook a bunch of food and keep it in the freezer. Hopefully save some time. Maybe we'll just hire Ronnie to live in as a, <laughs> as a live in chef. Do you Ronnie, imagine? are you taking oh offers? Oh my gosh. Paleo fried chicken, please. How do we meet? Oh, this is cute. We met originally at Sandbox Preschool in Orland Park. Although we do not remember, there are very, there are a few pictures of us together, like just the two of yeah. us. So your mom believes that you had a crush on me and said that I had beautiful hair. We got to go with that story. <laughs> I mean, I do. Just you do kidding. have beautiful hair. <laughs> um, but we, we re-met at, in high school. It was technically a graduation class, party, yeah. but you don't remember, so... Well, I remember yes, we at this graduation party, together. I had uh, what would be considered a create school ex-girlfriend that I was trying to avoid. So, um, yeah. but we were in high me. school and we then we Spanish class, right? Miss Vanderwood, yeah. Miss Vanderwood. Mm -hmm. And she'd always say, call me when you guys get married. So I included her in our wedding vows. <laughs> um, and then we didn't start dating until after high school. No. And I, I'll say it now and I will say it again and I will forever say it. I am so glad we did not date in high school. We weren't ready. We, were, we weren't no, ready. I needed I was... to do my own thing. I needed to do my own thing. So. Um, here, I have one here. Oh, he's what do you back. think your spouse would say is your most annoying trait? <laughs> what are you most annoying about me? <laughs> Mo no, I have to guess what you okay, would say. You, you, you would say about me that I talk too much before bed. Yeah, sometimes you do that. I started to do this. Uh, I started, I read about how, what was it called? The Oxygen Advantage was the name of the book, but the importance of nasal breathing while you're 
really living at all, but sleeping in particular. So I started to do this mouth tape. And I think that's my secret. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to get us both on the mouth tape again. Yep. Because we kind of I haven't done it fell much. out of it. It what, works. What would be mine about you? I would say when I become, either when I say I will do something when I'm in the middle of something else and I lose track of space, time, everything. That's, that's and only because this is a time sensitive one. What do you mean? <laughs> because that happened recently. That's why you're saying it. <laughs> yeah, but I it happens more than I would like, I would say. Well, well, what would you say then? I would say that you think you say things out loud. You have so many internal thoughts and I do not, like we are completely opposite in that. You like are constantly thinking and you'll be like, I said that. And I'm like, you haven't spoken in 10 <laughs> minutes. You did not say that out loud. Gaslighting 101. <laughs> you just die with the lie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. for when Or I the that. fact that you forget where you're driving a lot. I'm a terrible driver. <laughs> like in directionally, I'm terrible. Um, but that's what I just, li- I just, I don't know. I, I don't have a need for it. I feel like with navigation, I just punch and go. Someone said, you guys have an awesome marriage. What's the key? I would say, well, I shared something about this recently. Um, if you guys don't follow holistic, oh gosh, I need to look her. The holistic psychologist. She posted something about like relationship mm-hmm. goals. And first of all, I think it's really important to not have like relationships that you look up to that are like celebrities or that you don't know personally, because a picture on Instagram can totally not capture the photo of what's really going on. Um, And I just think it's important to have communication and respect. I'd say our, our strongest thing that we have is communication. We really try to like cut out the drama of things and be like, this is actually what's bothering me when it happens. But that's not to say we don't. It's, it's a big have one. I say, I say we're, we're getting better at communicating what we want, both like short, medium, and long term. That's as simple as actually just saying what you want uh, for dinner or out of a vacation, because uh, it gives your partner an opportunity to actually be successful and, and give you what you want and, and go along. Otherwise, your partner's left in the space where they're just trying to guess mm-hmm. and, and, and mind read for the other person. I would say. The growth mindset one is is really important for me. I don't know. I think together we both have an affinity and a, and a love for learning, and that's that that is what I think is my purpose here on Earth. And I think that and asking as for a support partner, during that process. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm trying to eat healthy right now. Do you mind supporting me in that? Can we have some healthier meals? Or, hey, I'd feel better if we went for a walk after dinner. You know. Those are little examples. Yeah, I like that. You got any more questions? No, and that's it. Thank you, on Dinner time. Let's jam. This podcast obviously was one of my favorites and, and really not a podcast that I thought I'd be dreaming of or setting out to have when I first uh, started this endeavor was a podcast with my wife sitting down talking about uh, the ins and outs of our hockey career. I knew we would be talking about that, but particularly about our child uh, to be, our, our pregnancy. And I um, want to thank her for all of her time and, and effort and the blood and the sweat and the tears that goes into uh, our life, my career, uh, and now our, our pregnancy. And, and it's the greatest decision I've ever made to you know, marry her. And, and I think that um, I was very grateful that she was able to you know, spend time with, with both of us today. So with all of our listeners, though, I do want to, highlight three points uh, that I thought shined in in this podcast was one for our marriage. One of the things that we talked about today was the power of communication, how we've grown in this realm, how it's not something that is always super easy. We have to spell out our thoughts for our partner. I think it's been a a great key in our relationship. Um, As we've grown, it's not something we were, you know, as good at earlier on uh, when we first began a date. And then second, one of the things I, I reflect on now that the podcast is over together, um, the tough times often become our, our most favorite stories. And I, I do feel that the adverse uh, circumstance and, and the trades and the injuries have been great growth moments for definitely myself, definitely for my career and for our family as well. 
And that brings me to my third point is just embrace the fact that, you know, today, the, the present day will become the stories that we will one day tell. Um, and I think that this thought process keeps you in the day-to-day process, keeps you in the moment uh, that is building your life together while also having some perspective that today isn't the end all be all. There will be another day uh, in our relationship. There'll be another day of my career. There'll be another day in our life. And there'll always be another opportunity if there's another day to come. Uh, so just embrace you know, no matter what life has to throw at you, it's, it's for you. So thank you to all of our listeners. Please continue to like, subscribe, uh, share with friends and family. This podcast is particularly special for obvious reasons. Um, you know, interviewing my wife isn't something I, I, my pregnant wife isn't something I thought I would be doing here at the beginning of the podcast. But thank you for joining me in my quest to become a more curious competitor. Thank you.